Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Brand new to our church. I'm going to jump into the teaching portion of our service. Uh, maybe one of the differences people say, Mark, what's different about this church and some other churches is really uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to try to my very best to open up the scriptures. We're going to turn to Psalms 103 today. And uh, I'm going to read six verses. And here's the difference is we're not going to try to just um, tickle some of intellectual properties of our minds today with some book knowledge and just some commentaries. My heart would be is that everything we teach and we preach from the Bible would actually be confirmed by the presence of the Spirit of God at the end of the service. And that's what Joel was talking about. The prayer and the singing at the end is usually when we say, God, we're going to teach this book. We're going to boldly proclaim this book. And at the end of it, we're going to ask that the same miracles that filled Jerusalem would fill Orange County. Same power, same saving grace. And we're going to have fun while we do it. Is it okay to have fun while we do it? And so if you're like hyper-religious and you're like, oh my gosh, church should be done in a six-piece suit and... uh, uh, I was thinking about other formalities, uh, liturgical, and there's got to be 14 people sitting on thrones on the stage, and you got to sing with Sister Bertha on an organ, God only honors the piano, and if, 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 if just the formalities of church, I want to encourage you today that we're here to have an encounter with God. Some people fall more in love with the methods of church than the message of church, and we want to just create a place. We have fun together. We, we try to tell a couple jokes. I do have two, two children now, so they are now dad jokes. Is that right? But we're going to have a good time. So if you have your Bible today, uh, I'm going to open to Psalms 103, six verses. I'll pray. Usually lift up some sports teams in California. And then, uh, and then I usually tell a couple stories. If you laugh, we call them jokes. And, uh, and then I try to land on really the, the thesis of what I feel like God is speaking to our church. You know, it's interesting this. I, I didn't know this at all last week. It was totally unscripted. Uh, but I was just praying last week, we, we preached out of Revelations, and it was wild. Probably three or four of the churches that I really respect and I, I kind of keep an eye on, uh, all of us last Sunday preached out of the same passage. And I was like, wow, it's almost like the Spirit of God <laughs> synchronizing stuff. Pretty cool, right? So um, today, <clears throat> maybe the rest of the church is preaching out of Psalms 103 today too. They got it right also. Uh, but I'm kidding. Uh, if you have your Bible, Psalms chapter 103. And uh, again, let's, let's read this together. Uh, this is uh, written by David. This is the David that killed Goliath. This is David that actually was on the run. He was the number one fugitive in, in the world for a, a duration of time. He was hunted by a king named Saul. And he would go on to become a king. He was a homeschooled musician, slingshot thrower when he was younger. And uh, after a season of preparation, God would use a homeschooler, come on, barefoot, redheaded homeschooler from Corona, come on somebody, make it modern day, and uh, had a big family, dysfunctional family. His dad forgot that he was around, and God actually selected the one that everybody else forgot about. He becomes king, and uh, after he becomes king, does some amazing things for God, with God, and we know a story that he ends up making some big mistakes. He actually has an affair, uh, another man's wife, and has, that, has her husband executed, gets his wife pregnant, and uh, has all this crazy drama go on, and uh, sees basically the redemptive power of God to redeem his life. At the end of his life, David would write Psalms chapter 103. 
So with all that kind of context in mind, let's read this today. And we're in a series called Disciples. And uh, I felt like one of the most important things that disciples of Jesus, and if you're not a disciple yet, totally cool, but just stay with me. We're in a, we'll, we'll get to you later. Uh, but if you are a follower of Jesus, uh, I think one of the biggest things that we had to capture today is that when you're following God, you're not just a, you're not just a fan of his, you're part of his family. Disciples click gears into this fangirl lifestyle into this, I'm a part of the family of God. I think many times we just think of ourselves as, 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 as fans or even maybe friends, but never family. And I was thinking about my younger days, I would preach this uh, friends with benefits, but instead I'm going to call it families with benefits. Is that all right? We'll redeem that phrase. Is that all right? Families with benefits. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, David writes. All that is within me, bless. Say with me, bless. The word bless means to adore, to kneel, or to, to magnify. Magnify the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me. Magnify his holy name. Adore his holy name. Adore the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all of his, say with me, benefits. Anybody grateful that our God has benefits? One of the greatest benefits of following God is, um, is we win. Why are you Christian? I hate losing. I hate losing. Losing? Keep going. Forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all? Here's some benefits. He forgives all of your, say it with me, iniquities. So he doesn't just forgive your transgressions. He forgives your iniquities. He doesn't just forgive all. Say with me, all. all. Notice he doesn't say some or a little bit. He says what? All. He forgives all of your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life, redeems, redeems your life from destruction. Crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things. So good that your youth is renewed like the eagles we'll talk about that the lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed how many are grateful that god executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed whether afghanistan whether america whether california whether australia how many believe that god executes justice and righteousness for all who are oppressed and what i've learned if, if god hasn't if God hasn't fixed it, he's not finished yet. Some stuff's still under construction. Let's pray, Lord. I just thank you for the opportunity to be at my favorite church today, Ocean's Church. We ask you that you would meet us where we are today. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Lord, today, would you speak to us? We are a captive audience today. We ask you that you would meet me right where I am. I pray whether we've never been to church. I pray if it's been 10 years, 5 years, 20 years. Or maybe, God, we, we come to church every week, but something in us isn't on. We give you permission today to turn the lights on. Holy Spirit, have your way. Bless this service. Bless this Sunday. All the sports franchises in Southern California. Baseball, soccer, football, uh, basketball, and all the others in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Offended so many people right there. Come on, golf. Pickleball. <laughs> I could preach about pickleball. I'm going to leave that one alone. <clears throat> I, uh... Been married, had the privilege of being married. Uh, this week will be 16 years. 
so excited. Rochelle is my, my uh, Bible says, he, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Come on, Rochelle's my good thing. Obtains favor from the Lord. Love you so much, girl. But I, uh, hey, bless myself right there. We have two little girls. I have a 13-year-old and a 6-year-old. I live in an estrogen farm. Come on, girls are different than boys. Can I get an amen on that? Especially little girls. I come home some days from work, and they're screaming and you know, weeping, gnashing of teeth. One of the girls is like, Dad. Or no, no. Uh, no, no. Well, actually, I came home the other day, and one of the girls was like, These, one of the girls was crying on the couch and was like, they slammed the door on me and called me a dummy head and said I couldn't be in their girls' club. And I was like, look, Rochelle. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Get, I'll be in trouble for that one later. Um, I, uh, I do have two little girls. And having little girls is like having a little broke friend that thinks you're rich. Girls are always asking for stuff. And um, it's been my great privilege to, to spoil my girls. And, uh, you know, I, I really felt this week my 13-year-old has never really been to a proper amusement park. I don't consider the children's DMV in Anaheim a uh, amusement park. That's Disneyland. Come on. It's a boring world after all. It's what it should be called. The only thing good about the ride is you're sitting down and there's air conditioning. It's my favorite ride at Disneyland other than the ride home. Uh, it's probably my favorite ride. I go to Disneyland because I have kids and I'm a good dad. Come on, somebody. People that go to Disneyland without kids, they're called um, weirdos. Um, just kidding. Offending so many people right now. Get them! Get them! Go home! These lines are too long. It's for people with kids. I, uh... So I, I thought, man, this week I got I to gotta show my daughter a true amusement park. So I took her. She's 13. I got her a promise ring. We had, the, had some of the talk. And I said, we're going to go. So we went down. We got a hotel. And we stayed right across the street from Six Flags Magic Mountains. It was a brisk 95 degrees. We walked 94 miles. We ate McDo uh, Magic Mountain food, so we still gained weight. And uh, it was magical. Amen. But we went on these roller coasters, and I uh, posted a video last night. Her first roller coaster was Revolution. And it was actually my first real roller coaster when I was a kid. That ride has been around since uh, John the Beloved wrote Revelations. Um, but uh, you know what's crazy? I was thinking about the greatest gift that a father or a mother can give their kids actually isn't a present. The greatest gift that's given to children is the presence of the father, and it's the presence of the mother. I would go on the record to say the two greatest things that a father or mother can give their kids is love and a good example. Say it with me, love and a good example. And I found that when you're actually operating as a father or as a, as a son or a daughter, that you, you just fall in love with the, with the presence of your family member that it's crazy when my daughters come to me they don't want anything from me they're not asking for anything kenzie didn't solicit this trip this week 
I just had so much love for her in my heart. I thought, you know what? I've been so busy doing everything else lately. I need to carve out time, put it in my calendar, and say, I'm going to do something special for my little 13-year-old girl. It's the father's good privilege to love his kids. And I believe many times if we don't realize that God is a good father, that Jesus is a loving family member, that actually we are, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. The Spirit of God was given to us because it, it actually calls about, it talks about the spirit of adoption. Of whom we cry, Abba, what? Father. He says, when you pray, pray this way. Our There's so much language throughout the Bible about God being a good father. One musician says, it's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. I, I want to tell you today that I, I really, I, I love this passage, and I was praying through this this week, that as followers and disciples of Jesus, we have to remember that we are part of the family of God. That is the baseline understanding of David in his old age, is I am actually a child, I am a son, I am a family member of God. And I believe that if you don't realize you're part of God's family, when you spend time with God, you'll be motivated by things that are not family-related. Say it with me, motives matter. When disciples get into the presence of God, you can get into the presence of God for, for the wrong reasons. Some of the wrong reasons that plague Christians today is we get into the presence of God because we feel guilty. Some of us read our Bibles because we feel like, well, if I don't read, God is going to be mad and jealous and he's going to find a reason to give me a flat tire when it's raining outside. And he's going to like do other sharpening lightning bolts. And he's going to, he's going to come on. He's going to, he's going to get me. And I believe many people, when they don't realize that God is a good father, they will let their relationship with God be motivated by guilt. We meet people like this. Oh, I had to go to church this week. I can't miss. God will be upset. I'll be just, uh, I won't be blessed anymore. I won't. Listen, I believe that when you're a part of a family, there is no insecurity. Kenzie and Chloe don't ever question, does dad still love me? I left mustard on the countertop. I do love you, but you need to clean that mustard up, girls. Let me guess, you had a sandwich. I found that not only does those that actually are motivated sometimes that with guilt, we find ourselves reading our Bibles, spending time with God because of status. What do you mean status? I think some people, they want to just be intelligent. They want to have something maybe to say to the critics out there. They want to Bible thump some people. And so sometimes we're driven into the presence of God, not only because we feel guilty, but because sometimes we have this weird status arrogance that I have to be better spiritually than somebody else. And when you do that, you step out of that sonship and daughtership and worship and other ships and actually get out of the space and grace that God wants us to function in. Some people are motivated not only to get into the presence of God because they feel guilty or because of some sort of status. Some people are just competitive. And they want to know God maybe somehow, and there's this weird competitive thing that they want to be more godly or better spiritually than a family member, a friend, a co-worker, maybe a girl at the Bible study, a guy at their church. And sometimes if we're not intentional, we get into the presence of God for a weird competitive motive. Sometimes as leaders, maybe you're leading a Bible study, a small group, maybe you preach. And I think all of us can be guilty at times in falling into one of these weird categories. 
that we feel guilty, so we go to God. We feel like this status thing, so we go to God. Or we get competitive. I gotta get, I gotta spend more time. I gotta memorize more verses. I gotta get more prophetic. And we get competitive and we go to God. And sometimes we, we teach so much, we lead so much that the only time we're going into His presence is because we want something from Him to give to somebody else. And God in this category would tell us again, come on, it's a wrong motive. I believe the greatest motive for coming into the presence of God as disciples is because of the pure love, the 100% organic, pure love of delight in knowing who your father is, knowing what your God is like, and being filled with the spirit that actually filled up Jesus on the earth. You see, we come into the presence of God because God wanted us, we read the Bible because God wanted us to know what God looked like. He wanted to describe himself to us. I read my Bible, I spend time with him, it helps me understand who I am and how I'm supposed to see the world that's around me. One of the biggest farces in Christianity today is that, it's, it's that we somehow, we believe in God, but that belief in God does not shape the way we see the world. One of the greatest things that a relationship with the Father does is it gives you a new frame in which to see politics and to see injustices, justices, righteousness, wickedness. It is God's relationship that gives us a framework to see life accurately. Many people don't realize that. It helps us understand who we are and how to live in this world. When we spend time with God out of a motive of delight, it helps us to live a godly life. It is impossible to live like God without the Spirit of God. And one of the greatest ways to attract the Spirit of God is to just love Him for Him. Jack Hayford said, if you go after what's in God's heart, you'll always have what's in God's hands. North American Christianity goes after the blessing of God's hand. And I'm telling you that you get past that shallow end Christianity that says, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. And say, God, the greatest gift you can give me, Dad, is a day in your presence. Greatest gift. Better than clothes I buy, Kenzie. Her little sneakers she's getting into. Better than the cell phone I'm going to buy her when she's 27. Better than any material gift. The greatest thing a father a parent can give their kids is their presence. And when you get into the presence of your father, it helps to facilitate this relationship, that your, your relationship, check this out, every dynamic relationship requires communication. And I'm telling you that when you start to spend time in his presence and exalt who he is and begin to lift up God in your life, it's amazing that in the presence of God, you begin to approach the mind of God. Some of you have the mind of fear because you're approaching fear. But as you spend time in the presence approaching God, spending time with God, I love what Joel shared. I start my day, come on, 4.30, God bless you. I'll spend time 4.30, but it's usually because I haven't slept yet. Can I get an amen from the night house? I am convinced that one of the things that God wants us to do at Ocean's Church as disciples is he wants us to draw near to him because of the love that we have for him as our father. Not to get anything from us, simply to give something to him. David lives, he's young, he's been old, and he was young, and now he's old, and he writes this powerful phrase. And really, you can boil down Psalms chapter 103. It's really the, it's the chapter of praise. It's the power of praise. 
And really it's broken down into three sections. The first six verses is all about personal praise. And then it goes to national praise. And then it goes to universal praise. Talks about how, how God redeemed through Moses an entire nation. And then it goes on to talk about the elements of nature honoring God. I believe that God, one of the greatest things we can give God is our presence. It is our presence in his presence that releases the presence. That'll preach. Need an aspirin after that one. I'm telling you today, there's two big things that he starts off with. He says there's something about discipleship that's connected to blessing God. I read this. One scholar wrote it down. He said, blessing God and giving him glory must be the alpha and the omega of all of our service. You know, before we're any value to anybody else, we got to come in the presence of God and just say, God, I, I extol you. I adore you. As I mentioned earlier, the problem with most of us is we get bad news, critical news. We see stuff going on in the world that's just depressing, discouraging. And if we're not intentional, what happens is it saps our strength to honor God. But what I found, if we'll start off with honoring God as disciples, it gives us a courage to face the darkness that's going on around us. So important here today. He says, bless the Lord. I love how he just, he's telling the internal uh, aspects of who he is. He's like, insides, deepest parts of me, focus on God. Deepest parts of Mark. Don't focus on California problems, national problems, international issues, darkness in the world, global, global darkness. I need you to focus your insides. So bless God. Extol him. Elevate him. I always say this, courage is manufactured in the presence of God. And when we are void of courage, it's because oftentimes we're void from spending time delighting in his presence. Disciples know the value of blessing God. Do you know why we lift our hands in church? It's not because we're hyper-spiritual. It's not because we're better than someone else next to us. It's not to air out our armpits that are sweaty, come on, during the summer. The reason why we lift our hands, some say it's surrender. That's, that's a modern terminology. The number one reason why Christians raise their hands when they sing is because the Bible says that it is in the, in the hand that we have the power to bless. Abraham laid his hands on Jacob and he blessed him. Jacob laid his hands on Israel and he Israel laid his hands on his 12 sons and he You know what hands do is they bless. They adore. The word bless means to adore. So when I lift my hands, I'm not saying I'm more spiritual than you and better than you. I'm saying, God, everything that I adore, I give to you. And when you understand why we do it, it's no longer weird. And you're like, oh, they're raising their hands. It's always funny. You go to a church that doesn't raise their hands. It's like, it's like a holy peer pressure. No one better raise a hand. You ever been in that church? It's like one brave soul in the front. You're like, Lord bless that guy. <laughs> He's getting tackled after the service by all the non-raisers. <laughs> Why does Oceans express this gratitude when we sing? Because there's something in our hands that has the power to bless. Come on, if you're going to give him a clap, give him a good hand clap today. That's why we lift our hands in church. And I'll tell you why David could confidently tell the inside of his soul to bless God. Because he's tasted firsthand how good God is. Sometimes when you're young, you don't have a, a vantage point to realize how good God is. But when you've weathered some storms, you've gone through some heartaches, some hardships, tragedies, made it to the other side, 
And you see how God's faithfulness has been there all along. It creates this in- intense gratitude. And I've learned this, that it's gratitude that fuels praise. And oftentimes we have a lack of praise because we have a lack of gratitude. I don't feel like singing. Well, maybe you forgot how good God has been to you. I don't feel like spending time with God. Maybe you've forgotten the gift of life God has given you. Maybe the reason why there's no passion in your presence with God is because there's no gratitude in your hearts for how good God is. I tell you right now that, that praise is the response of a grateful heart. I should never would have I should have never married 16 years ago this this girl named Rochelle. I I should never have be two beautiful little girls. I I there's no way. Listen, if you knew me in high school, you never would have said, hey, one day you're gonna be like a pastor of people in Orange County. They would have been like, uh, you might be a part of the prison ministry <laughs> from the inside. <laughs> but there's no way you would have been betting on me. Listen to me. If you know why I get fired up sometimes, this guy seems a little bit too passionate. It's funny how people that don't have gratitude in their hearts judge those that do. Sometimes we get fired up at church. Like, why is that lady so fired up? You have no idea what God has done in their life. Sometimes you got to cry out because God has been so ridiculously good to us. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Come on, Orange County. Bless the Lord. Come on, give him a hand clap. Five seconds, ten seconds. Bless him. Hey. We bless. We bless. We bless the Lord. Come on, lift your hands and say, I bless you, Lord. We honor you today. Yeah, he's here. He's here. I feel his presence. You grab a seat. He's here. He's here. What happens when God's people forget about worshiping their problems? what we're guilty of in North America is we worship and extol our problems. Why? Because we elevate them to the highest places of our life. David says, what do you do as a follower, as a son of God, is you have to bless. It's an intentional decision. I believe this, that when you begin to honor God, you praise God, it actually prepares you to do what God's asking you to do. I believe it's in worship that God makes you who you need to be for the battles that you're going to face. And the reason why some of you are getting beating up in battles is because you're not spending time in the presence becoming what God makes you when you worship. It is in the presence of worship that God outfits us with the grace that's needed to take territories. And some of us go into our boardrooms and classrooms and conference rooms and locker rooms and we have no authority because we don't spend time worshiping in the presence. David found strength in the presence of God. His, his military, his, his ragtag mafia of broke but busted, disgusted. It says they were, they were, uh, it says that they were, they were broken. They were, they were uh, disgruntled. They were bitter hearted people. And David turns a motley crew of nobodies into the most mighty men that maybe the Bible has ever seen. One day they get hijacked. All their kids get taken. All of their, their wives get taken. It's like, where the heck is Liam Neeson when you need him? Come on. It's like, what's going on? And, and they're there, and their, their village is on fire, and they're like, what are we going to do? And the Bible says the, the men were so angry at the leader, because that's what happens. Whenever tragedy comes, whenever trials come, the first people we throw rocks at are the leaders. And so David separates himself from the crowd. Listen to me. What do you do when you're, when you're leading an unhappy crowd? Yeah. David got alone. It says this, and he strengthened himself. 
in the Lord. Strengthen himself in the Lord. Look at me today. Come on. What do you need when California is crazy right now? You need strength. What do we need when the climate of our, of our state is wicked? We're passing legislation to actually get rid of children, babies. What do we do? We're passing some of the wildest legislation in the history of our land. What do we do when God, come on, there's darkness prevailing? It's like, what is wickedness? The wicked are those that have God in none of their thoughts. What do we do in a dark climate? I'm telling you, California Christians, we need strength. Where is strength manufactured? Some of you are nervous to clap. Come on, where's strength manufactured? It's the presence of God. Where is clarity manufactured? It's the presence of God. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm telling you, the church needs courage. Where is it found? It's found in the presence of God. David says, you know where it's found? Bless the Lord. All that's within me. And when you begin to bless God, you begin to honor God, you know what happens? All of a sudden, you start remembering. You know, remembering is so powerful. Deuteronomy, Moses tells the people at least 14 times, hey, you guys got to remember. You got to remember. You got to remember. Actually, there was nine times in Deuteronomy that, that Moses warned, if you don't remember, there's going to be negative consequences. Here's the human proclivity. Write this down. Humans are good at remembering what we're supposed to forget. But we're bad sometimes at remembering what we're supposed to remember. That's why we have these phrases like the good old days. I would argue that they weren't that good. But your brain had a way of forgetting the pain of those seasons, the problems of those seasons, and only remembering, oh, it was so cute. It's like it was miserable. The good old days actually weren't that good. It's just you forgot the pain of that season. I am convinced that one of the things we have to do is we have to remember the right things and not forget. Six things he says as disciples, as sons, as daughters of God. And I'm going to land the plane after these six things. I want you to write them down today. This is 101 Christianity, but I believe it's very, very important. He says to bless the Lord with all my soul. Say it with me, all. He says all that you got, you need to bless God. And when you begin to honor God in your soul and the inner part of who you are, here's what we got to do. When you honor God and he starts to fill you up with his presence, then start remembering. When you start remembering, the first thing you got to remember, Ocean's Church, as a son, is that God is the only one that has the power to forgive. Forgive. He says that, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities. You know what's so powerful about this? I want you to catch a couple things here. You know what sin does? Sin, it has a way of distorting and twisting. Many people today, I would actually go on the record to say that one of the greatest evidence of sin is uh, the fruit of sin predominantly is uh, it's manifested in this thing called confusion. You know why so many people live so confused? Because they have so much darkness they've allowed into their lives. I'm going, can I get, can I get an Ocean's College honest with you today? If you were in Ocean's College, this is what I would tell you. I would say pastoring for 20 years the number one reason I've seen people that were close to Jesus, that started with Jesus, and have ended up with Judas, ended up with Lucifer, is oftentimes because of a dark habit of sin that at somewhere along the way they get tired of fighting and they surrender to it. Most guys, it's pornography. They fight it and they're like, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm, I know it's wrong. God's convicted me. And then somewhere along the way they get tired of fighting Goliath. Goliath starts beating him up. 
And rather than retaliating and getting up and confessing your sins and coming to God and confessing it to a pastor or a leader and continue to be accountable and fighting the good fight, what we start doing is we start letting the world shape our theology. And we start justifying these phrases, well, everybody does it. I'm just a guy. It's just human nature. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Whenever you justify sin, you sever the umbilical cord of God's conscience. And when you do that, confusion begins to run rampant. Do I really want to stay in this marriage? Do I really want to move? Should I do this? Should I go there? Should I? Should I? Confusion is the fruit of compromise. I feel something in here today. Why would you be so bold? Because I, I've read the statistics of how many people are struggling with pornography in and out of the church. And I'll tell you, as, as a first-time survivor, as a first-hand survivor, got addicted to pornography when I was like 11 years old. Went all the way into the beginning of my marriage. Loved Jesus, free from all these things, but not free from that darkness. And I would tell you, in the early days of our marriage, it was the grip of that darkness that fueled the confusion in my mind. Some of you today, I feel like God is going to evict confusion as you come to Him with all that you are. If you believe that God can set the captive free, come on, give Him a five-second hand clap and a shout. Mighty God. God alone forgives sin. You know how powerful God is? He says, look, I'm not going to just deal with your transgressions. I'm going to deal with your iniquities. That's good news for us today. You know why? Because if he said, I'm only going to forgive their transgressions, that would, God, that would be God saying, I'm only going to forgive you when you do something stupid. Actions. Say it with me. Actions. Transgressions are actions. They're outward actions. It's when you see a do not... Do not trespass sign and you physically step over the sign you have transgressed on the outside but he goes as far to say God is a God that forgives your iniquities remember this they're inward what transgression is to actions iniquity is to inward thoughts so iniquity would be not going over the fence iniquity would be thinking about going over the fence you know how beautiful the Bible is? Isaiah says that he was wounded externally for our transgressions. And he was bruised, which is bleeding under the skin. It's internal suffering. Jesus was wounded outside for our transgressions, but he was wounded inside for our iniquities. You know what God is so good to do? He won't just heal you from what you've done wrong. He'll, he'll heal you from the things that you've thought about. How powerful is that forgiveness? Healing at the thought level. He's a forgiving God. You know, I love his presence because he forgives me. I love his presence because he heals me, number two. He's the only one that has the power to heal. Here's the problem with many people, though, is they refuse to believe in none of his healing because they don't see it happen every time. I want you to know today that God can and will heal but he's not obligated to. God doesn't owe you anything. And contrary to our entitled generation that thinks that God works for us, you know if God answered every one of your prayers, eventually you'd realize you're sitting in his seat. What God does in his selective will of choosing what he does and doesn't heal is actually what makes him who he is. Our job is to believe that he can heal, 
Our job is to believe that he will heal, and it's our job to trust the results. Outcomes belong to God. Obedience belongs to us. Can I get an amen in Orange County? But we're not going to let the lack of healing in one area affect our belief in others. My job is to believe. Can I get an amen? Didn't you hear that the world calls us believers? The problem with most Christians today is we don't believe God for anything except heaven. God answered all your prayers today. Would California be different? Would your family be different? Would Orange County be different? Or would your food just be blessed and would you be on your way to heaven? We gotta invite God to do more than bless our food and get us saved to heaven. We gotta start living with a fire to, in, come on, start importing some of that heaven here in Orange County. Here are our, are you hearing me today? Feel fired up. Come on, give me a hand clap. You believe it. God invade this space. Come on, family with benefits is realizing that there's a benefit of forgiveness. There's a benefit of healing. How do you know that healing is, is God's choice? Because David himself prayed for his son that was born out of wedlock. He actually prayed, God, heal this baby. He fasted, he prayed, and the child still died. But you know what David did when his, when his child died? It says right away, he went into the church and he began to worship. How do you worship in tragedy? Because you realize outcome is God's job. Obedience, belief is mine. Paul himself laid hands on the sick, had crazy miracles, revived the dead. He had a friend in Philippians that talks about in Philippians chapter 2 that he actually prayed for that was sick to the point of death. And God didn't heal him in his timing. See, even the apostle Paul prayed for the sick and didn't see him recover sometimes. But that didn't stop him from believing for others. And that's the North American Christian view is they say, well, if it doesn't happen for everybody, it doesn't happen for anybody. That's a farce. I feel like preaching today a little bit. You know one of the benefits in heaven? Sons of God, daughters of God, as he forgives, he heals. How about this? He has the power to redeem. Say it with your redemption. This is so cool. This week on Thursday, who we prayed for? We prayed for families. I want to tell you today that God is the God of households. God is not asking you to be one Rambo believer in your family. When I read my Bible, I see a nobleman in John chapter 4 that actually his, his son gets healed in his whole household. Say with me, household. I want to fight today, not just for individuals, but for the households that are represented today. I would turn your attention. Come on, throughout the Bible, we see, Lord, the Lord, even Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Peter walks into his house, Cornelius gets filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets saved, and then his entire, we go on to chapter 16, there's a businesswoman named Lydia, and it says that Lydia actually goes in, and she prays, and her whole household, later that chapter there's a Philippian jailer who almost dies, almost commits suicide, but he doesn't, and his whole household. I go to Acts chapter 18, there's a ruler of the synagogue named Crispus, and it says that his entire household believed. I fight today as the pastor of Ocean's Church, not just for the individuals that call this church home, but for the households that you represent. Let every brother, son, mother, cousin, aunt, and uncle, come on, every son and every daughter, every grandson and every granddaughter, we call them in from the north, we call them in from the south, we call them in from the West. Come on, say it with me, give up the people of God. Come on, say it, give up the people of God. Come on, Ocean Church, give up the people of God. 
give up the heirs of salvation. Let them go in Jesus' name. Say it like you mean it. Give up the people of God. Give up the heirs of salvation. Let them go in Jesus' name. I got news for you today that God can redeem. Well, he's a heroin addict. I guess what? God is a heroin forgiver. He's a heroin deliverer. We don't understand. He's been married 16 times. You don't understand. God collects broken people. The world might toss them. God collects them. God puts people together back than they were originally. He's the only one that can make all things new. He can heal the alcoholic. He can heal the, 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 the pathological liar. He can heal the person with cancer, thyroid conditions. Are you hearing me today? He is the God that redeems. Redeems. Say it with me. Redeems. This is a season of redemption. God told me this week, I was going to start with this, that this is going to start a season in our church. I believe the fall of this year is going to be a season of family households getting saved. Households. I dare you to invite that uncle to church. I dare you to invite that mom or dad to church, that sibling to church. If you get him into the presence, watch what God would do. Same God that hardens clay melts butter. Soften their hearts. Some of you are that person I'm talking about right now. And you're like, I feel like this guy's talking directly to me. I'm not talking to you. God's talking to you. God's love is chasing you down. You might have you talked negative about God, made fun of the family member that invited you here today, thought that they're just those crazy religious Christians. You didn't realize that they're not crazy. They're actually pretty amazing to believe in something that's real. Listen, if we're here because we just want to be religious, then yeah, we're wackos. But if we're here because we firsthand tasted and we firsthand seen something that is unexplainable outside of Jesus Christ, then my God, we are eyewitnesses, living trophies of the grace of God, declaring that there is a God that's still in Zion. There is a God that still rescues, still redeems, still liberates, and has the power to bring beauty out of the ashes. He's the God that redeems today. The word redemption is the word that's used when Israel was rescued out of Egyptian bondage. You know what God wants to do today? He wants to get some of you out of Egyptian bondage. Listen to me. You heard the phrase that you can get the person out of the ghetto, but it's hard to get the ghetto out of the person. Money can get you out of the ghetto, but God is what gets the ghetto out of the person. Say it another way. Success can get your flesh out of where you grew up, but it, it's God that gets the flesh out of you. And you can't make enough money, you can't get enough coaching and counseling, you can't, you can't, you can't therapeutic materialize your way out of this void in your heart that God alone can redeem. I would tell you before God today, if there's an area of your life that you're in bondage in, this is the day that we, listen, you are always one prayer away. You know how far you are away from freedom? One prayer. You know how far you are from the start of your journey of liberty? One prayer. One open door. One honest moment with God. God, I'm tired of this demonic lifestyle. I'm tired of sleeping with everything with two legs. I'm tired of waking up in beds of people I don't even know. I'm tired of this pathological lying. Tired of not knowing what I'm putting in my body. I'm tired of living a lie. You know what you are? You are one honest moment with Jesus away from the journey 
of complete freedom from Egyptian bondage. Jesus didn't just die to get you to heaven. He died to get heaven inside of you. You're intense right now. I can feel his presence. I'm not preaching to your little cute faces. I'm, I'm preaching to some hard hearts right now. And I feel God like a sledgehammer with his love saying, if you open up, I'll come in and I'll do a work in your days that you would not believe even if I was to tell it to you. Feel his glory. Feel his glory. He wants to crown you with love. David knew what love was. David knows what crowns were all about. You know what crowns do? Crowns represent royalty, authority, and rulership. You know what David said? He said, the most valuable crown that I've ever worn was the crown that God put on my head of authority, royalty, and rulership because of his tender mercies. You know what gives you authority? It's not your great power. It's God's great mercy. How can you be so bold, preacher, because I firsthand tasted God's great mercy? God can forgive me of all my stupidity. If God can pull me up out of the ashes, if God can put a new song in my mouth, a praise to my God, if God can do it for some screwed up young guy from Palmdale, California, the home of Afro Man and Paul George, come on. If God can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. What gives you courage, rulership, authority, anointing? I believe it's this. It's God's crown of tender mercies and loving kindness. The crown is the highest apex of your life. You know where we touch God? The, 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 the connection point between heaven and earth, like the top of the, the lightning antenna. You know where the very top of connection is between you and God? The place where that place meets, it's mercy. It's mercy that connects the God of the universe with flawed human beings. David said, I've been old, I've been young. Here's what I've learned. It is the tender mercies of God that touch the apex of my life. The highest crown that you can wear is the crown that God puts on you that says you are forgiven. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Mercy is God not giving you what you work for. You work for, and you, you, you lived your whole life trying to, to screw your life up. Some of you have more confidence in your ability to ruin your life than God's ability to fix it. Feel His presence today saying, I want to crown you. Say with me, crown. With loving kindness and tender mercies. Can I give you one more? Land the plane. I have six, but I'll give you five. It says, I'll satisfy you. He satisfies your youth. Satisfies you. What's he say? He says, I'll redeem your life from destruction. I'll crown you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The last two is God alone can satisfy and God alone can renew. You know what's amazing about eagles? They can live up to 50, 60, 70 years. And one of the coolest things about eagles is, is when they molt, there's molting, they actually shed their old wings and they have the ability to actually reproduce what they look like. In old age, they can look young because of shedding the old wings. You know what God's presence does? It sheds off the old wings. It has a way of pushing out the feathers of your old life and I want to encourage you that whenever the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. The devil tells me who I used to be. It's like trying to steal furniture out of a house that I moved out of. I don't live there anymore. I was guilty, but God dropped the charges. Feel his presence. He satisfies. I want to tell you, Orange County, that nothing else satisfies like Jesus. He's the bread of heaven. Feel his presence.
standing feet, I want to pray for you. Can you pray this honest prayer today? Some of you, this is the beginning of a new chapter of your life. You're no longer going to be marked the atheist, marked the agnostic, marked the skeptic, marked the jaded, marked the addicted. I believe this is the day that God starts changing names and identities, changing natures. No longer this girl, the promiscuous, this guy, the liar, this guy, the, the two-faced, double, life, double lifestyle person. Today is the day that we go, come on, all in. Say with me, all in. You know what Ocean Church is? It's a community of people that have tasted God's reality, and we go all in. That's why this place is fired up, better than a Lakers game. All in. We're not entertaining people, we're creating atmospheres that encounter people forever with the presence of Jesus. We close today. Can I ask you to pray this prayer with me? Say, God, what are you saying to me through this message? Eyes closed, heads bowed. How many here today just feel like, you know what, Mark, I'm being really honest. We're going to be honest in church. I feel like God is speaking directly to me. I want to be like David and know the forgiveness of God, the healing power of God, the redemption of God. I want to know his love like a crown. I want to be satisfied and renewed like the eagle. If you're here today, I feel this presence right now. I feel like maybe even one of you might even have an abortion. I said that earlier, it triggered something inside of you. I want you to hear me very clearly right now. God is not mad at you. God's love and His grace and His forgiveness. You might have been kicking yourself. You might have been regret. There's so much guilt you've been dealing with. And God says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm taking care of your baby right now. I'm going to take care of you. Give me your pain. Here I hear the Lord saying, I will heal you everywhere that you're hurting. You give God your pain, He'll heal it. But if you hang on to it, He can't help you. I feel like there's a divine exchange getting ready to happen today. If you're far from God, there's someone here that you've been on the run from God since you were like 16 years old. You made a decision at 16 that I will never be a believer in Jesus. You're a grown man. I see even like gray hairs on your head. And you're here today. And you say, I made a decision at 16 not to believe. But there was a voice coming to you that you heard when you were 14 and 15 calling you back home. You're not going to die in doubt. You're going to die in faith. You're going to live another 20, 30, 40 years. But you're going to live the next half of your life in faith. He's calling you home. You are never too smart to respond to God. Never to put together to have a vulnerable moment with heaven. If you're here today, I feel, I feel an authority from God. His tender mercy is going to lightning rod this place. If you're here and you would say, Mark, to be honest with you today, I'm not living my life for Jesus and in, in his family. I want to know the presence. I want to know the goodness of being in the family of God. I'm not perfect. I never will be. But I want to be surrendered today. I actually want to come to God in my brokenness, in my doubts, in my frustrations, and my church hurts, and my old wounds. I'm bringing everything, almost like getting in the shower today. I'm not rinsing off in the sink to get clean for God. I'm going to get into God's shower. I'm going to let Him wash me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. If you've never believed, and today's the day that you say, God, I feel God in this place, it is undeniable. You've even prayed something that actually I've been struggling with. You've said it. You've called it out. That is God singling you out this morning. And if you'll respond to Him, He will fill you up. You walked away from God. Today's the day you rededicate your life to Jesus. 
I'm out of time. I want you to raise your hand all over these tents on the count of three. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to shame you. I'm going to have you raise your hands. We're going to pray a bold prayer, and we're going to start a brand new journey with God today. You believe that? Say amen. Ocean's eyes closed, heads bowed. If you're here, your heart's starting to speed up. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. There is grandfathers here today that need to get right with God. There's some grandmothers here today that need to get right with God. You are not too old to respond. If you're here, Mark, this is my moment. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. You've been far from God. He's calling you home today. He's calling you home today. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, all over the tents today. Come on. Two, I pray that everyone that needs to respond, give them the courage not to miss the bus right now. Three, would you raise it really high? That's me. That's me. Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Hands going up all over. Keep it up. Keep it up. Don't be shy. Keep it up. I see one, two, three. Real high. Four, five, six. Real high. Seven, eight. Come on. Real high. Real high. Real high. Nine. Real high. Real high. Ten. Real high. Eleven. Real high. Real high. Twelve. Real high. Anybody else? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thirteen. So good. So good. Yeah, yeah. Eyes closed. Heads bowed felt man the love of God it's amazing I, I just the guy I saw in my head is actually sitting Katie he's in your row I saw this guy God is healing your heart and I believe today sir I'm not gonna embarrass you for all these people but I just feel like Katie knows who you are and I just feel like God today every eyes closed everyone close your eyes he's here sir I believe this is the day that God begins us the journey of restoration when it pertains to faith He's going to heal. I almost saw like acid get on you when you were 16. It burned not only something physically or spiritually, but it actually affected something in your, in your heart to believe in God. And today God says, I'm pulling the acid out of your system. I'm going to put a new heart in your chest. I'm going to put a new perspective in your eyes. I'm going to add decades to your life. You're not going to die young or premature. I believe that God is going to add decades starting today. You've even worried about, man, how long am I going to live? What's going on in the future? It, my, maybe family members didn't live super long. I feel like God says, I'm adding decades. Because you've honored me, sir, God says, I'm honoring you. You watch how I'll restore the years the locusts devoured. I'll restore what, man, the, the, the damage and some sort of divorce in your family line. I see God putting, pulling the shrapnel out of your family line and actually doing a work in you that's going to affect future generations. God, I pray this next half of his life will be far greater than the last half with you in Jesus name come on there's 13 people would you give God a good hand clap for a second close your eyes with you oceans would you pray with those 13 today would you say Jesus I boldly come in your name asking you to forgive me asking you to heal me asking you to meet me here would you heal me where i hurt would you forgive me where i'm wounded and would you lead me guide me make me your son make me your daughter from this day forward jesus name i feel like something get filled with the holy spirit right now well you want to get filled with the holy spirit put your hands right now all over the room i don't want to be refilled today Holy Spirit, I pray you would fill these tents with your presence. Fill, your, fill these tents with your power. If you're sick today and need healing, raise your hands. If you have unforgiveness going on in, in your life and God needs to forgive, raise your hands today. If you're here and you want redemption in your life, come on, raise your hands. I want to pray one last prayer today, Lord. Would you heal?
Would you feel? Would you redeem? God, would you guide? Would you provide? Would you move? In Jesus' mighty name. Someone's hands up next to you. Go put your hand on their shoulder right now. Doesn't have to be a long prayer to be a powerful prayer. I repeat, it does not have to be a long prayer to be a powerful prayer. If someone's hands up, you need healing, breakthrough in your life today, put your hand on their shoulder. Come on, let's pray this short prayer. Say, Jesus, we invite you. Would you heal them? Would you feel them? Would you redeem them? Starting here, starting now. New journey, new breakthrough in the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. Come on, God's people said amen. Come on, give them a 10 second big hand clap and a shout. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.